All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Ballaholics Podcast. I am your host of the most, Joshua Williams, aka Good Job Jojo, aka Good Job Clean Kid, aka Jojo. But enough, I'm not even going to do a proper introduction because <clears throat> I was trying to figure out a way to not sound very haterish on this episode because I've been contemplating the Cowboys future over the last couple of days. I, that's why I didn't do an episode last week. I was going to do an over-under episode, kind of like a fun episode, but something told me that my Cowboys were going to stink it up and boy did, boy did that happen. Uh, so as everybody knows, yes, congratulations to the teams that have made it past the wild card round into the divisional. Some great games, uh, some terrible games, but for the most part, I give wild card weekend a maybe a B minus on the games. We saw Buffalo demolish New England, which I love. Anytime New England gets demolished, I love it. So we saw that. So. The end of Ben Roethlisberger, finally. Thank the Lord. I love that. What else did we see? We saw Cincinnati get their first playoff win in like 20-something years, maybe close to 30 years now, which was very exciting to see. Then on the NFC side, I'm not going to start with the Cowboys. We saw Tampa Bay demolish, run over the Philadelphia Eagles. Then we saw the Rams run over the Cardinals. Well, that was the last game, but we saw the Rams run over the Cardinals. Then the last game on the bucket list that I'm going to talk about here. My Dallas Cowboys lose in the most Dallas Cowboys, the most Dallas Cowboy way of losing in the playoffs. Now, first of all, to begin with, if I if I cuss, excuse my cussing, I don't mean to cuss, but excuse it because I'm quite frustrated at how they played. So let's let's hold on, let's start with the Raiders game before that. So Raiders game had one of the worst officiating possible possibly this whole season. And literally the next day Roger Goodell was like, that, that crew is never, is not refereeing another game in the postseason, which should have happened. Now, so we get Saturday, terrible refereeing. Then comes Sunday. Here, here, go, here we go. Now, aside from refereeing, the 49ers just came out way, way better than the Cowboys did at the beginning of the game. And... Cowboys always <clears throat> always do this. You can't play one or two quarters. You have to play full four full quarters, which they did not. Neither did the San Francisco 49ers, but they had enough they had a big enough lead to where they would still hold on and win. But 49ers come out hot. Debo Samuel and Trent Williams posted up listening to Nardo Wick and uh I don't even think it was Young Boy. So you already knew what type of time they was on. They sure already knew what type of time they was on. 
Uh, but in typical fashion, Cowboys O line just completely just dismantled itself. Going against a four man rush, not even not seven, not eight, not not a loaded box. Four man rush can't stop the rush. Trent, uh, not Trent Williams, excuse me. Tyron Smith, uh, Connor Williams, Zach Martin, all getting thrown around. Baez getting thrown around. Everybody's just getting thrown around. And, boy, to see how bad Connor Williams is, it makes me, like, well, to see how bad that offensive line just in general was that game, it really, 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 really made me appreciate that 2014 line and the, uh, 2016 line whenever Travis Frederick was here before he retired we didn't have this type of problems that line was the best o-line in the entire nfl and now here we are Travis Frederick retires and then we go to complete absolute shambles but yes so the o-line can't guard a four-man rush for whatever reason I don't know how you can't guard four-man rushes uh it's like five, five, six of y'all on the line. Then they put in two, uh, two extra blockers most of the time too, and they're and whatever package that is that they want to call that a heavy package or whatever. They put in two more offensive linemen and they can't run the ball at all. So it whatever was going on, it don't make any sense. So <clears throat> we're gonna stay on the Cowboys for a long time because I gotta get this off my chest here. So four man rush can't nobody block. Dak is running for his life as usual, kind of like Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl last year. Running for his life the whole entire game almost. <sighs> then we go to our running back core, our running backs. Well, actually, not even running back because this is on the coaches. Because coaching, Mike McCarthy, Kellen Moore, I don't know what the hell that was, what the hell they were doing. Zeke had a torn PCL which is like a ligament in your knee, I believe, or a partial tear, excuse me, not a torn, but a partial tear in his PCL, which is in his knee, and I believe it's in his knee. If I'm not, don't, please correct me, but I believe it's in his knee. But he had a partial PCL tear, and that happened at week four. And he's been playing with a partial PCL tear the entire season since week four. Now, where they do that at? What kind of drugs or uh, what you call it? Uh, I don't know what the type of medicine is. Uh, shoot, it's kind of drawn the block. But whatever they gave him to make the pain go away, a pain reducing drug or whatever, something shot, whatever it is, bro, they could have kept that. Cause literally Tony Pollard, I don't know why he didn't get as many care. I don't know what their issue is with Tony Pollard, but clearly. From every everybody's standpoint, whenever Tony Pollard is in the game, it's a game changer for them. His speed is way more effective than what we had with Zeke. Zeke can't even jump up to catch the ball. He's trying to catch the ball with one hand, and it's not working out. He needs he. I don't know why he always tries to catch the ball with one hand, but you know, two hands for safety, of course, every time. But Everybody knows Tony Pollard should have saw more snaps that game, or should have been the feature back. And well, pretty much in every, almost every game, uh, even from when they knew Zeke had a tor- uh, partial tear in his PCL, he should have been a feature back every single game. But of course, a lot of commentators here they go saying, "Oh, Zeke has earned the right to 
played through an injury. He's earned the right to be on the field. Da 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 da. Yes, we all know he's earned the right. He's been here forever. Blah blah blah. But when you're trying to compete and you have the most full of roster, the most full roster of a team that can compete for a Super Bowl or at least compete to get to an NFC East, an NFC Championship, excuse me, you need to literally rest him and make sure that the featured back is Tony Pollard. Even our backups were pretty much better than Zeke when they got in. Our backups could have handled a lot of the work too with Tony Pollard. So Zeke could have sat out for however long it needed him to get that tear fixed. That's how long he should have been sitting out to where he could come back healthy or at least try to look healthy when the playoffs came. But again, that goes back to the coaching staff. Now why Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore and Whoever else is behind the training staff, Jerry Jones, all these people decided to just say, "No, Zeke is gonna, he's gonna go, he's gonna go, he's gonna he's gonna be good, he's gonna go, he's gonna have over a hundred yards and every, every single game. His part the partial tail is not gonna mean anything. I don't know what was going through anybody's mind when that happened because it did not happen. None of that happened at all. And going back to that. Uh, that San Francisco game. The one main factor now, I don't I don't condone anybody, you know, calling for the ball when they need the ball or if they claim they need the ball. Like when Des Bryant was calling for the ball all the time when he was here in Dallas, I was not on that bandwagon, blah blah blah. I was not on it. Okay. But seeing that game and seeing what Amari Cooper can do every single game. Amari Cooper had the right to call for the ball every single time. Now, now, I've seen this before. I've seen this happen. In high school, my senior year of high school, we're playing. We're in the playoffs. It's our last game because we ended up losing. But in the playoffs, it's our last game. If we had thrown the ball to Zach Jackson, our receiver at Lake Ridge, we might have ended up winning that game because literally nobody could cover Zach Jackson. Now, on the other hand, for the Dallas Cowboys, they throw the ball to Amari Cooper more. They don't. They don't lose that game at all. But you know, I'm not Kellen Moore. I'm not the offensive play uh, play caller. But if it's me, and I see how soft they're playing soft coverage, they're not blitzing anybody. There's no. There's nobody in the middle of the field half the time. So what Kellen Moore was seeing or whatever it was, I don't know because it looked. It looked literally stupid out there. And we've just been getting cooked day in, day out on Twitter, on Instagram, on pretty much every platform possible. The Dallas Cowboys are in the headlines and they're getting cooked every single time. And the crazy part is, is whenever all these coaches, you know, that come to the Dallas Cowboys because the Cowboys are on primetime television, they're America's team. All these coaches that look like they're a genius, quote-unquote, a genius, they are nothing but more than a scrub when it comes to a big moment time. Case in point, Chris Rashad. Chris Rashad was a Super Bowl champion, uh, coordinator, or not a coordinator, a cornerbacks coach with the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Then he comes to Dallas. He is like the passing game coordinator. I don't know where they came up with that, but... He's a passing game coordinator under Jason Garrett, and the secondary looks better than what it's been over the last couple of years when I was watching the Cowboys. 
So when Chris Rashad gets here, he looks like this quote-unquote genius, and he looks like he's going to be the next big thing. Then, of course, typical Cowboys fashion, we lose in the playoffs, we get, we start being sorry, and all of, of course, all of it's not on Chris Rashad because it goes on offense and defense, so both play calling goes on both sides of the ball. So Mike Nolan, trash, Chris Rashad, trash. And now you see none of these people have a head coaching job. Chris Rashad was supposed to be this next coach that's going to be the next great big thing, and it didn't work out. Now you get Kellen Moore, who is supposed to be an offensive genius. His playbook is uh, out of this world. He he runs, he has the high caliber offense that makes that can score you 50 points a game. Yeah, when it's, when it's open, it's open. When it's not, as you see in case in point in the San Francisco game and then in the Cardinals game and in the Broncos game, when it's, when it's not open at all, it's not open at all. So here we go, another assistant getting, they're making their heads too big for whatever reason. And now he most likely is not going to get a head coaching job at all. And we're most likely going to be a... Back with Kellen Moore, back with a somewhat, you can look at it as a high-caliber offense sometimes and a low-caliber offense most of the time. Just how it goes. But, I mean, if Kellen Moore gets a head coaching job, hopefully he goes away because for him to still be playing Zeke at the end of the season or whenever that tear happened in week four is ridiculous. You should not have your superstar running back or... He might be a superstar. He's not really a superstar to me no more, but for most of y'all, he might be a superstar. Uh, for Dallas Cowboys fans, at least, he might be a superstar, but to me, not so much anymore. But for you to have your quote-unquote superstar running back still in the game, still playing weekend high, the highest level of football with a partial PCL tear, that's like playing with a partial ACL, partial Achilles whatever it is, and you're going day in and day out, not getting any rest, not getting any medical treatment, just getting painkillers and stuff like that to just go out there and play, it's literally stupid to me. But like I said, I guess everybody just built differently at some point. That's what it most likely comes down to is Zeke thought, must have thought he was built differently and it didn't turn out that way. But who am I to say? Now, on the defensive side of the ball, let's talk about defense because, oh my goodness. First of all, defense was terrible too. So both both sides of the ball was terrible. But when it mattered, when they needed to step up at the end, the defense was there. The defense had came to step up and the offense did not. I saw Leighton Van Der Esch make one of the most – Crucial tackles I've ever seen in a in a game, possibly to get a to get a third down stop, to get us the ball back again to where our offense goes three and out again. Now I think after that stop from Leighton Vanderesh, we get our, we get the ball within two minutes I believe it was, within like two fifty ish or something. Mike McCarthy has the ball. We're in like perfect perfect range to score. 
Now, why he did this, I have absolutely no idea whatsoever. So, we're in like 250-ish. We run a play, and it goes like maybe back to the line of scrimmage or maybe a couple yards. I'm not for sure what the actual measurements were. but So, we run one play. So, I'm like, okay, even myself, I'm like, okay, they're going to take it to the two-minute warning. This is the fourth quarter. They're going to take it to the two-minute warning. There's no reason to call another play. You know, get the two-minute warning. That's a, that's literally an extra timeout for yourself. But, no. My, I guess Mike McCarthy got CTE as well because his CTE just kicked in and just was he just went completely brain dead and called a whole nother play. Now, after the two-minute warning, you have a – third down situation now instead of second down and you didn't have no time to even look at what kind of play you were going to run and you had you could have had an extra timeout but now here you are third down and now we got another three and out which is I thought that was the most ridiculous thing even the commentators were like well they might take it to the two minute warning and now and then I was sitting there like well I guess they're not so I don't know what what kind of CTE happened for him and what happened to him but it just literally kicked in now, back okay. Besides that, but back to the defense. But uh, that was crazy. But back to the defense. So, Leighton Van Der Esch makes one of the most crucial stops, and I even said on Twitter, if the Cowboys end up winning that game, and he made that, st- and well, he did make that stop, but Cowboys end up winning that game. Leighton Van Der Esch might have a contract again at this point, but I don't know if he's gonna have a contract here now. But I, that's not my business. That's not my decision. Uh. Curse, if you go, I'm going to be sad that you're gone because you were really, for your price tag for $8 million this year, you were way more than $8 million worthy. So if you go somewhere, get the multi-million dollar deal, like kind of like Robert Quinn, you know, uh, I will miss you. I appreciate you for being here in Dallas for our one year that you probably had the chance to do something, or we had the chance to do something, but I'm going to miss you. Uh, KZ, I'm not sure if you're going to stay. Malik Hooker, not sure if you're going to stay, but I would like those two guys to come back, secure up the uh, safety position. Wilson's probably going to – I think out of the safeties, Wilson's the only one that is uh, staying, I think, yeah, which is uh, really, really bad. (laughs) But uh, there are some big issues that the Cowboys have to uh, address, starting with that offensive line, first of all, because – like I said, when Mike McCarthy, his CTE kicked in, Connor Williams' CTE has been kicking in the whole entire season because he's been getting penalties after penalties after penalties after penalties, holding calls everywhere, false start everywhere. And it's like, bro, what? In practice, I would literally flag him every single time. Like, like you have to flag him every single time. And then... However many, however many flags he get in a week during practice, that's how much he getting fined. At least every thousand, every 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 penalty in practice is a thousand dollars fine because he he was the most he had to been the most penalized player on our team this whole entire season. From every holding call to false starts to just just complete nonsense that literally. Stopped our drives or just put us out of position to even even attempt to score on our drive. Now, aside from Connor Williams and Mike McCarthy CTE kicking in, another player CTE kicked in, and that would be Randy Gregory. Now, 
how you get, what was it, three, it was either two or three neutral zone infractions in the game, then you get a defensive holding call, I think it was two defensive holding calls, at the, the most crucial time of the game, I have absolutely no idea how how a defensive lineman. I've ne- I've literally never seen a a game where a defensive lineman got two holding calls. Now let me reiterate this: in a football game, whether that be Pop Warner, Pee Wee, middle school, high school, college, and NFL. Canadian, arena football, European football, whatever whatever tackle football, Japanese tackle football, whatever tackle football, I've seen a lot of them, trust me. I've never in my entire life seen a game where a, a defensive line has gotten two defensive holding calls. Now, what what was going on in Randy Gregory's mind when he tackled the offensive lineman? I have absolutely no idea. Like I said, Mike McCarthy, Connor Williams, Kellen Moore, and Randy Gregory all had CTE kick in at the worst worst time. Now, a lot of y'all maybe maybe like saying, "Oh, you shouldn't joke about that." I'm not joking. Like. Something had to have happened in their brain to where it was like, no, this is going to go stupid over here. I shouldn't say stupid, but it's going to go bad. Like, whatever I'm going to do, I'm thinking it's going to be good, but it's going to be bad. At the end of the day, it's going to be bad. And it was bad. Because Randy Gregory, I think it was either Devo Samuel or Elijah Mitchell, running around the left side behind the offensive lineman. He literally just completely tackles, disregards that there is a running back in the backfield running right at him and completely just tackles the offensive tackle for for whatever reason. I have absolutely no idea why that happened, but for whatever reason, he just ended up tackling the offensive lineman, which is, I've, I've never seen that before. But I don't know. Like I said, something had to have happened. Some CTE kicked in, a concussion that we don't know about. I don't know. He playing high because you know Randy Gregory had some troubles with that, with, with the the weeds. You know, I I don't know. And another player that did not show it at all. I forgot he was even playing. That that is it ninety million or hundred million on the other side of him, on the other side of the grand uh, Randy Gregory. There's a $90 million or 100, uh, 80 to $100 million player on the other side of uh, Randy Gregory, and that being DeMarcus Lawrence. DeMarcus Lawrence wants to play in, in the regular season. Oh, he yeah, you could see. You know he's there. But in that playoff game, you didn't. I didn't hear his name get called one time, not even for not a tackle, not nothing. And I'm like, I'm like, damn, I forgot Randy Gregory. I'm not Randy Gregory. I forgot DeMarcus Lawrence was even here. Only, I only knew Randy Gregory was there because he got all the off, he got all the defensive penalties on him. So I forgot any anybody on that defensive line was there. Only people that I knew was there was the linebackers and the secondary. Because Michael Parsons was doing what Michael Parsons does. Even Leighton Vanderish came up with a clutch tackle. He wasn't doing much, but he came up with a clutch tackle. 
Secondary was getting cooked. Trayvon Diggs was getting cooked, but aside from that, Trayvon Diggs, he's second he's only a second year player, so for him to have eleven picks within his second year, you know, if you want to give up a thousand yards or whatever, how many year ever many yards it was, and you can give me eleven turnovers, I'm fine with that. But like I was saying, secondary is getting cooked, linebackers is doing something. I forgot the whole defense line was even there. There's no pressure getting in the backfield. There's absolutely nothing. So, I was just like, "What? What are we even doing out here?" It that whole game was literally awful. I turned the game off. Come back. Dak somehow they get a pick from uh was it Anthony Brown? I think it was. See, and like I said before, Anthony Brown is one of those those players that he's the most right place, right time, or wrong place. Excuse me, wrong place, wrong time person. Like there's there's nothing in between for uh, Anthony Brown. I believe it was Anthony Brown that got that pick. Uh, but he's either in the right place at the right time, or he's at the wrong place at the wrong time getting cooked. And there's not there's not there's nothing in between those two. And that's him. That's him every week. So. For Anthony Brown to come up with the, the the clutch pick to get some momentum, I was I was excited. You know, I was excited. Then we go down and score, and then Dak runs the football in, and I'm thinking, okay, we got some life back. Like, there's no reason San Francisco San Francisco should have let us stay in that game. They should have kept the foot their foot on the pedal, especially after that Debo Samuel touchdown. I thought that that was game right there. But again, get my hopes up to be let down as usual, and that's every year. Being a Cowboys fan, you get your hopes up, and then they just, just crush it. They tear it into little tiny pieces. Like you ever seen that day where where people was like, "Oh yeah, she just tore my heart into little tiny pieces and just stepped stepped on it, spit on it." Da 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 da. Well, that's what the Cowboys do every single year to their fan base. They, they make your heart think they're gonna do something. They get twelve wins. They overexceed your expectations. They, like I had them at ten wins, they just overexceeded my expectations. They had twelve wins. I'm feeling good, feeling great. Then they come play San Francisco in the playoffs. They just rip it, tear it, crush it, spit on me, called me a peasant, called me a worthless bum, and just completely let me down. Here, here again, and that's just the life of being a Cowboys fan every single time. Everybody will tell you that, from my friend Dane to my roommate Alex to my other friend Joey, that was also my roommate. Every, every Cowboys fan, even my dad, would probably tell you they get your hopes up to just tear your heart into many tiny little pieces and spit on you every single year, and. We talk about all the wasted talent that's been here in Dallas, and this is another year of complete talent that is wasted once again. <sighs> but I've spent a good 30 minutes, or almost 30 minutes here, talking about the Dallas Cowboys and what trash that has brought. But let's get into some NBA news that is not the Lakers. Let's let's sit here and talk about the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, the reason I want to talk about Philadelphia 76ers is because there's a lot of headlines going on about the Ben Simmons situation there in uh, 
in Philadelphia. And if you don't know, which you should all know, Ben Simmons has not played a game this season at all. So he's sitting there chilling, got engaged or something with his girlfriend that I seen. But he's been sitting there chilling, relaxing, shooting some b-ball outside of school. Sorry, I didn't mean to say that. But uh, Ben Simmons has been sitting there relaxing, you know, and Philadelphia has been trying to trade. I'm trying to find uh, trade offers. And it's crazy to see how nobody wanted Ben Simmons. Then all these teams turn around and start being terrible, and now they want Ben Simmons. Like Portland, for example, Damian Lillard, first of all, says, or, well, he's so supposedly said he doesn't want Ben Simmons. He wants to stay on the team. He wants the team that he with. And then turns around, right around, and just asks for Ben Simmons. Like, I have no idea where it came from. Then Sacramento wants him. Houston wants him again. And uh, I think it was Indiana that also had a trade offer. But this this trade offer that I have seen, there's two trade offers I'm about to tell you right now. One, one started with the Detroit Pistons, which they're a rebuilding team, so they need uh, somebody like Ben Simmons to come in anyway. So it's not like it matters because they're not going to be good anytime soon. So let me just tell you this, this trade. Jeremy Grant who's an all-star, I think last year was, all-star caliber player, Sadiq Bey, who is improving tr- tremendously on the Detroit, uh, and this is on the Detroit Pistons now. So, Jeremy Grant, Sadiq Bey, Kelly Olenek, who is a valid three-point shooter, not the best, but he's valid, three-point shooter, and a first-round pick in exchange for just 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 Ben Simmons, not, not even Tobias Harris, not uh, Matisse Thybul, not not just just Ben Simmons alone. Now, if the 76ers said, "Oh yeah, we want," I mean, not the 76ers. If the Pistons offered the Lakers, Jeremy Grant, Sadiq Bey, and Kelly Olynyk, and a first round for Russell Westbrook, please trust and believe. If the Lakers did not take that trade, I would be literally livid because that is the that is a finesse. Like that is the biggest finesse you could possibly get. Now, why the 76ers did not trade for this, I have no idea. Like I said, I, I really don't know what would be going on in any of these people's heads. But let me get to another trade here. Let me get to another trade here. I got to pull it over here. So this other one from the Kings now. This is from the Kings. They are going to trade. They were going to trade Buddy Hill, Tyrese, Hall- uh, Tyrese Halliburton, Harrison Barnes, and two first-round picks for Ben Simmons, Matisse Thybulle, and Tobias Harris. And Philadelphia had no interest in either one of these trades. Now, again, I don't know what they're seeing and what they aren't seeing to where they have no interest in any of these trades here, but it's crazy. So the one thing I'm speculating is that they are getting ready for a a major trade in Superstar Center, Joel Embiid. I think they're trying to prepare for him to leave or they're preparing for him to call for a trade here. But this is why I'm speculating that they want all these uh, picks. But at this point right now, they're being they're being completely stingy because 
As soon as Detroit offered me that trade, I would have took it and ran with it and Ben Simmons is off my team. And you get you get Jeremy Grant for Ben Simmons, please. Jeremy Grant with and this is just, this is just Jeremy Grant alone, just or Ben Simmons alone, just nothing else. Just Ben Simmons. You give us Ben Simmons, we give you all of this. Ben Jeremy Grant with Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, uh, Tyrese Maxey, Seth Curry. That would be a that would be a squad right there. Like not the best squad, but that would be a that would be a valid squad. Like almost kind of like. Uh, a better Indiana almost well Philadelphia is better than Indiana now but you would think with Karis LeVert Miles Turner and uh, Sabonis that Indiana would be valid but they're not valid but the, uh, Philadelphia would have been valid with Jeremy Grant Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid just, just those three alone they would have been valid but again uh, who's over there Daryl Moore I believe it is uh, as their uh, basketball operations uh, as Moore, this is why you this is why you lost a job in Houston. Well, that's not the only reason why you lost a job in Houston, but you lost a job in Houston because of foolishness like this. And if you did not trade for Jeremy Grant, and then you just let that trade go off the table, is crazy to me. And I just don't know what people what what they're trying to get from Ben Simmons. Like they're trying to get all these picks, four first round picks. Uh, whatever the case may be, it is terrible. And I don't know why they have so much high value in in Ben Simmons, but it's, it makes no sense to me. Then they're trying to package Tobias Harris on a lot of package on a lot of trade packages as well, and nobody nobody in their right mind wants Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris isn't what he used to be, and I don't see him getting back to that type of level when he was on the uh. Clippers, he was like probably pretty much one of the better players on the Clippers, and then they ended up Clippers for whatever reason ended up trading him to Philadelphia. But I have no idea why that even happened. But that's for another time. But like I said, I have no reason. I have no idea as to why they have so much high value on Ben Simmons. There's no value. He can't shoot. He's scared to even. He's scared to even take a layup to even take a dunk under the basket and stuff like that. So I don't know what Ben Simmons is going to do when he comes back. At least if it's a Kyrie situation, you at least know Kyrie's going to come back. Hold on. Let me get some water. Like I'm saying, at least when you know when Kyrie comes back, you know that's going to be at least a good 20 points. You know Kyrie's still Kyrie. He's going to hoop. He's going to. He's gonna do this. He's gonna be ah uh, in and out, and you know Kyrie's gonna just gonna be Kyrie. He's gonna be the All Star type of player. So when he comes back, you know you got an All Star player. Now Ben Simmons, we don't know what he gonna look like at all when he comes back because he don't he don't show nothing other than defense. He might be able to drive to the rack. Da da da. And the only reason he could drive to the rack is because he's six eleven playing point guard going against freaking uh. Six three, uh, well, I guess the tallest one is probably maybe like six, eight under, and that's the tall. I'm saying is like LeBron point guard ish, but most point guards are around at six six now because there's a lot of tall point guards. But you're going against somebody at six six with no muscles, not really like like Lamelo. He's six 
not the biggest body frame. And Ben Simmons is 6'11". He's meant to play a power forward. So he's more muscular. He's more built. So a little bit stronger than uh, somebody like Lamelo or Alonzo. And that's why he's able to drive to the rack, drive to the rack every single time. Just like LeBron. LeBron's 6'8", 250, jacked. And who's going to stop LeBron straight steam forward going ahead to the basket? Exactly. Nobody. So, but yeah, I'm not seeing the trade value in Ben Simmons. I don't know what the value is. I don't know what. If it was me and I'm Philadelphia at this point, I'm taking Ben Simmons for maybe one star player, not a superstar, maybe a star player. And such as somebody like Sabon, well, Sabonis is a superstar, I guess, now, kind of, because he got all-star circuit. Uh, so I would take a Karis LeVert, a bench player, a uh, Karis LeVert bench player, and then a first, or se- first and a second round pick. Or even just give me Karis LeVert, somebody like a Karis LeVert, if bench player and a second and a first round pick and then that's it that that would be my offer right there i don't need a superstar i don't need a all-star i just give me a decent solid 20 point player 20 18 to 20 point player and we we good just get ben simmons off my team at this point but like i said he's not on my team so can't can't do much with it and Man, I want to go back to the Cowboys because some more news just came up, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to save it. But this is a wrap for another episode here at the Ballaholics Podcast. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for listening to my rants. It's a sad season to be a Cowboys fan, but, you know, I'm off my, my, I'm off, I'm off my hater stuff. I'm off my sore loser vibes, and we are no longer going to be, uh, in sad boy mode on my hater shit. So I'm I'm done with the hating. Unless it's just the Cowboys. I'm not hating on the San Francisco 49ers. I'm not hating on nobody else. I'm just going to keep watching. Whoever goes to the Super Bowl goes to the Super Bowl. But like I said, thank you for joining the Ball Hogs podcast. Thank you for joining me. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. I will catch you in the next episode. Thank you so much. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe. You can find me wherever you, uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. And make sure you just subscribe, like, and leave all types of comments wherever you want to. Uh, Once again, thank you again, and I'm out.